Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I am John. Yes, you are. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. 100% John. I'm the Johnest John in all of Johndom. You really are. My dad's name's John, too, but you're way more John than he is. What do we do on this year's podcast? Previously on the Avenging Hour, Wasp and Yellow Jacket rejoined the team just in time for Wasp to be nearly murdered at the hands of the Stranger, or the Toad, depending on how you look at it. It looks like Moon Dragon and Beast are also new members, but Thor says they have tests to complete first. So I guess they'll sharpen their pencils and head back to school. And now... Episode 61. Alrighty. Yay. Yay. Two more issues. Two more issues. Two. Two issues. Yay. There's some papers here. Whoa. What is going on? Oh, behind here. It's crazy. Uh, first up, issue 139 from September of 1975, written by Steve Englehart, with art still by George Tuska. Oh, thank God. This one is called Prescription Violence. Though, for some reason on the cover, it is called Prescription Death. I think they realized that there was no actual death in this issue. <laughs> they realized that just as they turned the page. Oh, whoops. But there is violence. <sighs> Wasp lies motionless in her hospital room, the victim of a shock-induced coma at the hands of the stranger. Or, actually, the toad in disguise. How will she ever recover? How will the team ever heal? Well, apparently by Yellow Jacket shaking the toad in front of her sleeping face and screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> Must be some sort of experimental therapy. Huh? While Hank is busy lashing out at everyone for every reason under the sun, Whirlwind inexplicably uses the opportunity to swoop in and try to kidnap Wasp. He manages to elude most of the team, snatch the sleeping Wasp from her bed, and make it to the doorway before Moondragon blasts him with one of her patented mind bursts, forcing him to flee without his prize. Hank freaks out some more, then screams in pain due to some sort of microbe in his blood that trapped him at ant size at some point in some other title. Realizing no one is going to help him, he stomps off and leaves the rest of the team to shrug. Iron Man notes that Hawkeye still hasn't returned and nominates Moondragon to go with him on a search and rescue mission. Thor is miffed that his leadership is being ignored, but Beast tells him to suck it up. Out on the street, Wasp's chauffeur asks the brooding Yellow Jacket for an update on her condition. Hank snaps back that it's none of his business since he was fired back in Marvel feature number nine for trying to steal Jan's fortune. It's at this time that we get a reminder that the chauffeur is actually Whirlwind. He recaps his history with the two miniature crime fighters, oddly attempting to imply that he's been defeating Hank since he first met him, though I'm fairly certain the police reports would show otherwise. <laughs> With Hank out of the picture, Whirlwind rushes back into the hospital to make a second kidnapping attempt, but backs off when he finds Beast and Thor still at her bedside. Meanwhile, Iron Man and his metal nose try to hit on Moondragon. She has a freakout. Then a mysterious female hand crushes a newspaper showing Beast's face. Then Whirlwind attacks Hank in his front yard, but flees when he sees Hank's cellular disruptor pistol. Then Moondragon and Iron Man discover Doctor Doom's time machine is missing. Then Vision and Scarlet Witch decide to end their money honeymoon and return home. Such intrigue. Finally, Hank seems to have figured it out as someone is waiting in the limo for Charles the chauffeur, and that someone is Yellow Jacket. As Charles approaches, singing a tune from the 1951 Broadway musical Paint Your Wagon, Yellow Jacket springs from the car. He confronts the startled man, alleging that Whirlwind fled from a gun few people have ever seen, and one of those few was the chauffeur. Luckily for Hank, his angry logic was correct for once. <laughs> Whirlwind reveals himself, and we spend our last seven pages following the fight from street level to rooftops. Hank grows to giant size and tries to smash the pesky villain, then shrinks down, scoots under his chest plate, and clinging to some grotesquely drawn chest hair, zaps him with some staggering stingers. Unfortunately, Hank's pain returns and he tumbles out of Whirlwind's armor. As he's about to be smushed underfoot, the bouncing beast arrives and delivers a knockout blow to Whirly's temple. After quoting from a 1943 Superman newspaper strip, the two heroes walk off into the sunset. 
the end. Our roll call this issue is Thor, Iron Man, Yellow Jacket, and Wasp. Uh, Moon Dragon and Beast are sort of members. Toad, Vision, and Scarlet Witch make meaningless appearances, and our <laughs> villain is Whirlwind. And someone else makes a meaningless appearance, but we don't know who it is yet. And I'm assuming oh, we're not yes. going to spoil that surprise yet. No, the redhead, you mean? Yeah. I don't have any notes. This was pretty cut and dry here. Um, I unironically love the title. Prescription <laughs> violence to me sounds like some sort of like kitschy '60s spy movie or an episode of Diagnosis Murder or one of those film strips they showed you in driver's ed class. <laughs> yes, I really I don't know why, but I really do I do enjoy that. Uh, it's enjoyable as well to see some of the casual bigotry of the cops <laughs> who are just like, come on, they, they grab the toad and they're dragging him. We're well, not dragging him because his feet aren't touching the ground. They're like carrying him like a little kid out of there, going, come on, beauty. It's a good thing Wanda's not here; she would not appreciate that. Thor is getting a little bit overly melodramatic, perhaps because he's um, been with the Avengers too long. He calls Whirlwind their ancient foe. <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, anyone could be considered ancient that's mortal, first of all. It seems uh, it seems a tad over overblown even for him. He's lost all track of time being on Earth too long. I guess. This one page, the proofreading on this one page is horrible. And I don't normally, I don't normally mention typos, but normally we don't see a lot of typos. But this page, Yellow Jacket says to, about War One, or thinks, he got past all the others. Assume he means past, but that, he got past. That S should be a T. And which I was, and when I first read it, that I'm like, whatever, you know, it's, these things happen. And then on that very same page, Moon Dragon says, Behold, the power of, of the mind burst. Well, oh. she was using it and it made her stutter. <laughs> How hard is it? Just <laughs> out of my head. To do some, um, do some proofreading. I love how Whirlwind just grabs Wasp out of the hospital bed. She's like in a coma and he's like throwing her around and then he drops her on the floor. Whoops. <laughs> and they are really talking him up. Thor says, no other foeman that we've faced have proved himself more elusive than the Whirlwind. Well, I guess that's kind of true. He's elusive. I mean, compared to the other people they've fought. What, elusive how? That they've never caught him? They haven't caught him, have they? No, they never have. But yeah. there has to be other foes they've never caught. Well, they let a lot of people go <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> I, I feel like the book is trying to convince us Warwin's a credible threat to the team, but he's not. The These the seeds for Pym's um, downfall are sown pretty quickly here. They have been since he first came back. Agreed. It's like they were like... You know what this team is missing? Someone in the swordsman role. Someone to be angry and then despondent for no reason. <laughs> Let's bring back Pam. He'll be great for that. Very odd. They have a, a big debate about who's going to be uh, the chairman of the team because Iron Man's like, I'm going to take Moondragon and we're going to go off on our own. Oh, and Thor's like, no. And Iron Man's like, shut up, Thor, I'm doing it. And and Thor's really upset that Iron Man's not listening to him. And I'm like, this has not been an issue forever. And now all of a sudden the chairmanship is such a big deal. But at least, I guess, at least they're paying attention to it now. How much longer is Thor on the team? Uh, for another year or so. Yeah. But it, it, and speaking of this, Iron Man is going to end up in human resources very <laughs> shortly. Because he is making so many passes at Moondragon, trying to kiss her with his mask on. I don't I don't think he was trying to. I think she doesn't she say, "Oh, I guess you want me to do this with my lips and blah." Oh, that's I think true. It was, it was more her than him. That's true because he's being all, you know, "Hey, baby. How yeah. you doing?" And so she's like, "You want me to do this?" and pulls him close and then she's like, "Oh, I'm so sick of you men." Yeah, we're like, well, um, that's partially your fault. He could have just let that go. And it's interesting though that she's saying, "I'm so sick of you men," because down the line in Avenger or down the line in in Marvel history, she becomes a lesbian, or she comes out as a lesbian. Yeah, we're seeing the beginning of it here. It's all Iron Man's fault. 
<laughs> Not the first woman, I'm sure, that's had that reaction to Tony Stark. So I'm so confused. Yellow Jacket's on the phone with the Beast at one point in time, and he says, Listen, I need the answer to a question. Roger. What is that? Right. I don't even... And then Beast says, That's affirmative, Avenger. What? what? Well, did we miss our panel missing? I am so confused. Do we need confused. to cut away to some cars? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also back to... So... Hawkeye, you mentioned, was going back in time to find the Black Knight. Right. To the 12th century, I guess. And apparently they're still using Doctor Doom's time machine, which they used way back in, like, issue 50. Which is left in his old castle. Which is still in his old castle. Couldn't you have, like, taken it back with you? This time machine has been sitting in this in this castle. I'm sorry, this is in his castle in Latveria? The last time we saw this, this was in the castle he built and fought the Fantastic Four in, which was like in New York State. That he had abandoned, yeah. So there's some <laughs> continuity issues here, is that what you're saying? Well, it says, Even as they crowd the castle, once commanded by Doctor Doom, far below a Quinjet... I'm going to read this to you, and you tell me if it makes sense. The shadows cluster closer around the shoulders of the beast as he ponders what he's heard. Even as they crowd the castle, once commanded by Doctor Doom, far below a Quinjet... No, okay, that does make sense, but it says far below a Quinjet on a quest to Latveria. So apparently, Hawkeye went to Latveria... And now Iron Man and Moon Dragon are going to Latveria? And doesn't Doctor Doom have a problem with people just wandering into his castle and using his time machine? Yeah, that has to be wrong. It makes no sense. Though at least this means they didn't... The Avengers and the Fantastic Four have not left the time machine unsecured for a decade in the middle of New York State at an abandoned castle. I do love how petty Iron Man is there with Moon Dragon. Oh, yes, yes. After she, like... After, After she, she turned down his horrible attempt at a, at a pass at her. Then he's like, fine, be that way. He's like, well, yeah, here, you need some light or whatever, you stupid woman. Tony Stark's not used to being told no. Um, I have nothing else, do you? I have nothing else. Stan Soapbox? So Stan Soapbox, he is shilling for the Wizard of Oz comic, the sequel to the origin of Marvel Comics, mm. and Nostalgia Illustrated. Do you remember a time when his soapbox was not him just shilling for products? No. There was a time. It's been years. It really has. Uh, anything in the bullpen bulletins? Yes. What's that? They've announced some assignment changes. Uh, Roy Thomas is writing Thor. Yes. Len Wein is handling Spider-Man. And Marv Wolfman is writing Daredevil. And George Tuska has returned to art on Iron Man. I wonder if that means he won't be with the Avengers anymore. Yeah, he'll probably do both books. I think he can do that. Yeah, I mean... Consider the quality of his already published. Um, <laughs> it looks like he's doing four books already. <laughs> it also mentions that they, they are cutting down on their giant size line yeah. due to time constraints and all the other great comics they have. And I just have to tell you, considering the mess most of the giant size Avengers are, I am fine with this decision. Yeah, it's a good idea. There's, uh, a, there's a separate bulletin specifically about the Jackal in Amazing Spider-Man number 149. Seems important. Wrong. It's not. <laughs> is that the beginning of the, of the clone saga? Well, yes, but it's not a very long clone saga the first time. Right, right, yeah. Nobody really pays attention to it. And the Jackal is so an, such an unimportant character. So it was really weird that they had a separate bullpen bulletin just to talk about the Jackal. Yeah, I think they wanted the Jackal to be a lot more than he was. They seem to do that a lot in the bullpen bulletins. They'll announce these great new characters that I'm like, wait, I recognize two of those names. <laughs> well, and they really did build him up. I don't know if you've ever read those issues. Yeah. But they really did build him up in those first few issues. But, you know, he's just, he's not that interesting. They mentioned in a little blurb that Artie Semek died. Artie yeah. Semek was a letterer during, he lettered a ton of Marvel comics in the 60s. Yeah, most of the Avengers stuff. He wrote. Yeah. He died on February 20th, 1975. Uh, anything in the, anything else or anything on the letters page? Uh, that was interesting is the I think it's the third month in a row that Dean Mullaney has a letter published. Yep. Uh, and Peter Sanderson has returned as a letter writer. Yep. But the letters aren't interesting. No. Uh, the only interesting thing I had written down was um, Ann Nichols of Williamsport, Maryland 
points out what you and I both missed in our discussion of the Cree Kotati origins. That the Cree were supposed to be blue. Yes, didn't even bring it up in discussions. Yeah, but there's two different the, there's two different colors of Cree skin. Some Cree are blue skin. Some are Caucasian. And they should have been blue skin. The original were Cree were supposed to be blue. Yeah, that's it. MVP. I pick Beast again. He's level headed and he saves the day. Yeah, I think the book wants me to pick Yellow Jacket, but you have to pick the Beast. You can't ever pick Yellow Jacket. Speaking of Yellow Jacket, useless character. Iron Man's hormones. <laughs> <laughs> The nose on his helmet. <laughs> uh, I picked Yellow Jacket as my useless character because he is becoming completely unstrung. Understandable. Um, and I'm done with him. Avengers Little Threat? Whirlwind? Please. Good grief, no. <laughs> Final grade. I gave it a C. One of those just average issues. I gave it a B-. minus. The characterization of him and the focus on him when he's going to be a spaz is really not, <laughs> as you know, not my favorite thing. <laughs> Last issue. Avengers ever. Avengers number 140 <laughs> is from October... 1975. Wait a minute. What happens? <laughs> it is called Steve Engel... It's called... It's called... <laughs> it's about time he just named it after himself. It's Avengers number 140 from October 1975. It's by Steve Englehart and George Tuska. And it is called A Journey to the Center of the Ant. But on the cover it's called Invasion of the 50-Foot Hero. I actually like that title better. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Yellow Jacket is not doing well. Despite the fact that it is... Wait, wait, in what way? <laughs> yeah, this is pretty much... I'm just... I'm, I'm taking this back to square one. You could have stopped right there. He's never doing well. <laughs> Despite the fact that it is very dangerous to his health to change his size, he's been doing just that. Partly to save his badly injured wife, and partly because he's not so cuckoo. Returning with the beast to the hospital where his wife lay unconscious, Hank Pym suddenly collapses. Then, he starts to grow. While bystanders look on, stupid expressions on their faces, the beast races inside the hospital to summon Thor, who's been watching over the wounded wasp. Thor accompanies the furry mutant outside, where Hank Pym is now 20 feet tall, yet still unconscious. While Thor argues with petulant doctors and confused onlookers about a course of action, the Beast heads to the Brand Corporation, where he used to work, and where he thinks he might have developed a serum that could help him. Of course, he'll have to steal it, since Brand fired him when he developed the typical bad attendance of most heroes with a job and secret identity. Well, steal it, the Beast does, although he has to beat up some guards and break some windows to do it. Meanwhile, back at Avengers Mansion, a red-headed beauty is quizzing Jarvis about the Beast's location. He tells her he's unsure of where the Beast is or when he might be back, so she declares her intention to sit on the porch and wait for him to return. Also, meanwhile, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch have returned from their honeymoon. While flying their Quinjet toward the mansion, they spot the now ginormous body of Yellow Jacket in the street below and land to offer their aid. Sadly, even Wanda's hex power can't help, and it is typically the deus ex machina of any Avengers story. By now, the Beast has returned, and he needs to do some sciencey research stuff to make adjustments to his serum so it will work on Hank. Since the wasp has the same condition that Hank does, they decide to do some experiments on her blood, but her doctor says no. He says no until Dr. Don Blake shows up, who convinces the wasp's doctor that... Actually, no, there's no convincing. The wasp's doctor just gets tired of arguing, throws up his hands, and storms out. Still, it's the same result, and soon the beast is all science, science, science with the wasp's blood. What of Moondragon and Iron Man? They're still trying to find Hawkeye, looking all over Doom's old time machine for clues. Suddenly, the platform one stands on to travel through time, which had been missing, reappears, but it's stained in blood. Uh-oh. By this time, the beast is all scienced out, but he's sure he's got the cure for Pym. The cure could be injected into Pym, but the Vision thinks he can phase the serum into his bloodstream faster, 
and it's a nice callback to the Kree-Skrull war sequence of Pym entering the Vision's body. Sadly, Neil Adams is nowhere to be found, so the sequence lacks any of the oomph of its predecessor, and it's also more straightforward, with the serum released directly into Pym's heart without incident. The serum works, Pym shrinks back to normal size and awakens, and then he goes into the hospital to find Jan awake as well. Aw, happy ending all around. Except for the Wasp being awake. <laughs> the end. Our roll call this time is Thor, Scarlet Witch, The Vision, Iron Man, Yellow Jacket, and Wasp. We still have the Beast and Moondragon hanging around as partial members. We see Jarvis, and we see more of this red-haired woman who I guess we'll save for next episode. Sure. When we find out who she actually is. Yay. I don't know why I said yay. I don't really care who she is. <laughs> Do you have notes, sir? Um, mostly about the Beast. My first note is uh, Beast has apparently replaced Hawkeye. As the character who talks like Spider-Man. Yes, he is our... Yeah, we've been discussing this. And we mentioned in in that reprint issue in 136 that he had this... He got shot and he was had the fast healing thing Mm -hmm. by Wolverine. And we thought, oh, well, that doesn't come back again. That's a weird glitch. But he talks about it again here. And I think he actually gets shot again. When he's still in the serum. Yeah. So he still has this fast healing metabolism. I also noticed that, oh my god, the beast won't shut up. He does he's talk talking a lot. constantly as he's breaking in and doing everything. He's telling us what's going on, and it's not word balloons. He's actually talking out loud, which always annoyed me. Yeah. Do you think the Wasp Doctor is kind of a jerk? <laughs> he comes out here and he yells at Thor because Dr. Pym is unconscious and growing. Out on the street. Out on the street. <laughs> and it's like, how is this Thor's fault? Leave Thor alone. And why would the doctor care? He's not in the hospital, he's I'm, not his patient. I mean, I have no problem with people yelling at Pym, but leave Thor out of it. I could not... Beast makes a comment where he says, uh, Thor uh, is... The Beast runs off to the Grand Corporation to get this this serum, and Thor yells after him, Oh, whither goest thou? And the Beast says, Can't stop now, TG. TG? Thunder God. Oh. Yeah, it took me a while, too. I was like, Thor Godson? Thor guy? Oh, Thunder God. Um, he also mentions that um, this serum is the fruits of his labors from the mental vineyard called the Brain Corporation. That's a weird thing to say. Thor was a little odd. He, uh, he, he, in, he talks interestingly. I, I, all of a sudden he's like, I want to be an Avenger. I want to be on this team of heroes. I got a, guy, a good idea of how I can prove my worth to them. I'm going to commit a felony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he really has no legal right to this serum. No, none at all. He, he stone cold breaks in, beats up some guards, and takes it. I mentioned last episode how the the, the two issues that we that we did focused on the beast. They were trying to give him you know a stage to show how great this is. Clearly, another issue just yeah. to show how good the beast is and how much he should be on the team. He mentions while he's breaking through Grand Corporation, he says he'll have to speak to Captain Baxter about security here. We'll be meeting Captain Baxter next episode. Although oddly enough, he gets a promotion between. This issue and those. Who's his colonel? He's colonel Baxter. Yeah. <laughs> well, the beast has been away for a while. <laughs> Do you have something before we get to the, the whole serum stuff? I don't want to talk too much about this woman who's waiting for the beast because I know we want to wait till she's revealed to, to everybody who she is. That being said, she goes to Avengers Mansion to wait to find the beast. He's not there. Jarvis says he's not here. I don't know when he'll be back. And he says you can wait inside. And she says no. I'm going to wait right here on the front porch because if I wait inside, he'll come in the mansion and leave. And I'll never see him. But apparently, there's only probably one entrance to this house. Well, she doesn't know there's a bunch of holes in the wall. <laughs> and a melted roof. And <laughs> she's been in a house before. What house has only one entrance? And you know, my house, I never come through the front door because my garage is in the back. And she knows Beast. She knows he can just climb in through a window. Yeah, too, so why would climb she... a wall and go down the chimney? Or <laughs> I'm not sure why she's so convinced waiting on the porch is the best route for her to take. Anyway, continue. I, she, she is hilarious next episode. 
I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the character. Do we have Do you have anything else before we get to the whole serum thing? I do kind of like the doctor telling the team off. Yeah. Because that doesn't happen enough, and it's, he just keeps saying no. Usually, people are all like, "Oh, Avengers," and they're all nice. And he's like, "I hate you, people." And no, <laughs> you guys aren't doctors. That being said, all they want is like a vial of blood. How is that going to hurt her? I've been in hospitals; they take blood constantly. You can't sleep all night long because they're constantly coming in and taking blood. Yeah, but come on, really? If like a group of people just comes in in costume and says they want a vial of someone's blood, you think a doctor's going to go, oh yeah, that's cool. It's also confusing because when, when Thor turns into Don Blake and comes to convince him that way, Don Blake says, we were classmates at school. Oh boy, that's going to cause so <laughs> many problems when we finally talk about, when we finally talk about what Don Blake and who Don Blake really is. Right. Because he didn't go to college. Right, he just showed up as Don Blake. Hey, I'm a doctor. Yep. Remember that imaginary school we went to? <laughs> Come on, Rick. <laughs> they um they mentioned Walter Cronkite. The doctor mentions Walter Cronkite. I would hope most people know Walter Cronkite, the anchorman for CBS News from 1962 to 1981. Considered the most trusted man in America for some of those years. Yeah, I'm not sure why he brings up Walter Cronkite. It seems like a weird reference. <laughs> I love the fact that the Beast... Are we, is this, is this Wait, part of the serum you were talking about? It's just still a really weird reference. He's talking to Don Blake and he says, You're around with these weirdos. Next, I suppose Walter Cronkite will be rolling bandages for them. What do those two things have to do with each other? An actual doctor and then Walter Cronkite. Is he saying Don Blake is on a par with Walter Cronkite? Because I don't get that at all. So the Beast needs to work on the serum some more. So he takes over the hotel lab. Or the hotel. The hospital lab. Again, I've spent some time in hospitals. They need their labs. They're working in the lab. Yeah, you would think. They don't have time for this mutant to come in and take over the whole thing. How many patients died while the beast worked on the wasps, um... Well, he worked on the, the, the blood work. And again, they just let this blue furry dude in a pair of underwear go in there and... Eh, yeah, sure, man. Just use whatever you want. That's cool. Uh, did you have other things to talk about with this here? That's a weird reference that Beast makes there when he looks out the window and sees that uh, Yellow Jacket has grown even bigger. Holy Hannibal, Missouri. Did you want to talk about the Vision administering the serum? Yes. Yeah, let's talk about that because, boy, oh, boy, is that problematic. Well, first, I would like to say that it's nice to see the Vision showing off how useful his powers are. That's a plus. But it's weird. So he has the vial in a... I'm sorry, he has the serum in a vial, and he pours the serum out of the vial into a, uh, I guess a cup or a bowl that he has made out of his cape. Like a magician <laughs> pouring milk into a newspaper cone. <laughs> well, yeah, because he just pours it into his cape, because you can see him, like, holding it. Yeah, and then he holds it like a, he, like a blob of... So it won't fall out of his cape. Right, because we learned before that he can control his cape's density like he can, like, independent of it. Why? If he's holding onto the vial, can't he also make the vial? Well, here's what drives me even crazier about this. So, first of all, this whole scene with the vision is not necessary. Just inject your stupid serum into Hank Pym. Right. But fine, you want to have the vision do it. I agree with you. I'm pretty sure we've seen him hold items and phase go intangible before. But what really gets me is when he says, I know not how the beast has caused the serum to become as phantasmal as myself. What are you talking about? You made the serum intangible. You just told us that the last page. Yep. And I am not sure, perspective-wise, that they have the right sizes there. I mean, Hank Pym looks pretty big laying there on the on the street, but the people around him aren't all that big. It just seems odd that the vision would fit into his heart. Yeah, no, there's no way. If the, the size the of the vision... The scale is way off. <laughs> yeah, the size the vision is when he's crawling up Giant Man to get inside. If he stood up straight... 
it looks like he could walk through if 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 Hank Pym is a swimming pool and the vision <laughs> sort of straight in phase, he would it looks like he'd walk through him and his head would probably be like the top of his head would be poking out of him as he walked along. Yeah. And yet So for him to fit completely inside Hank's heart, Hank should probably go see a doctor. <laughs> yes, yes. He has other problems. There's some cardiomyopathy going on there. I don't <laughs> it's not good. Oh well, I have nothing else. You? Uh, the last no, the last thing I wrote was uh, th- th- there's a scene there where the Vision is fighting microbes. He's punching microbes as you do. Do microbes feel pain? <laughs> when you punch them, they do. <laughs> do they? They do. My last note is somehow all the women in the book are back to being relatively useless. I don't know how that happened. Congrats, you all. Good job. So, Stan soapbox. Stan soapbox. It's an important one this time, and it's not selling something, right? Oh, wait, no, it is. He announces the triumphant return of Jack Kirby to the pages of Marvel. He'll be working on the 2001 A Space Odyssey Marvel Treasury Edition, as well as writing and drawing Captain America, and working on a new title teased as, quote, dealing with the gods that walk amongst us, which, if I'm not mistaken, is his Eternals comic. Sure is. So, and this, you know, it's funny, because we talked about Jack Kirby, obviously, a little bit in this book. But he was never a big deal to us because he only drew like eight issues of the Avengers. Yeah. We did try to put into perspective what a big deal he was to Marvel overall. Yes. And he drew a lot of the Avengers. Well, he certainly drew Thor a lot in his own book and Captain America. And will be drawing Captain America again in his own book. Yes. Jack Kirby left Marvel in 1970 because he felt like he wasn't getting enough recognition for the work he was doing for the company. And he went to DC and from the beginning that really didn't go well. Yeah, the promises they made to him didn't really work out. He was working on some of their lower selling books and that was his that was his request. He didn't want to put other artists out of work. So he said to DC, give me some of your lower selling books and I'll work on them. Which were things like Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. The problem was that Jack Kirby's artwork is unique, and DC didn't like it. So they were having other artists redraw some of his work, especially Superman's face. They always have someone else redraw the face. And the books that he did for DC didn't sell well, partly because I don't think DC promoted them that well, partly because Jack Kirby's books were, let's say, ahead of their time. So, you know, the DC thing never worked out well, and so he comes back to Marvel here, but he's never going to achieve the... He'll only stay at Marvel for, I think, about five years. And he'll never achieve... And then he goes back to DC again, right? Uh, he may. He does some of his own things. Like they give they, Captain Victory and... Well, they let him... Isn't His second return to DC is when they promise him the whole, hey, you can do your own books. And he does the whole fourth world stuff with Orion and... Well, he, I, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. Though I thought he did some of that the first time around. Maybe he did. Doesn't matter. I get lost in the 70s sometime, I forget. <laughs> the point is, you know, poor Jack Kirby, because he comes back to Marvel and he does get to do... He gets to write and draw Captain America. And let me tell you... When we do our Captain America podcast... I'll do that one, sure. Jack Kirby Captain America comics are not so crazy. Is that the whole Mad Bomb stuff? Yes. But most of what he does for Marvel is not big name stuff. He's doing things like 2001 A Space Odyssey and Eternals and things that Black Panther... Wow. Talk about crazy. His Black Panther stuff also insane. Yeah, and Black Panther stuff's cool. But it's cool that he's back. Uh, You know, and... and, but, But I do want to point out that he still stands so many just to sneak in a mention of the origin of Marvel Comics. Of course he does. They are, uh, in the bullpen bulletins, they announce the arrival of... Jason's favorite book. The Champions. Who's drawing that Champions book? Oh, God, I don't know. Is it George Tuska? Don Heck. Oh, Don Heck, that's right. Who's writing it? Uh, Tony Isabella, I think. Nah, that's, not, that's not horrible. So, tell me what you think about uh, the Champions, Jason. Why do you like them so much? We are the Champions. You know me. I always like the weird teams of characters that make no sense. Now, if I'm not... 
mistaken, your favorite villain ever premieres in that book? He does. Yeah, Swarm, the Nazi beekeeper. It's a shame Swarm doesn't fight the Avengers. I don't know how they missed that opportunity. Right? And he's not my favorite villain. Taskmaster is my favorite. Oh, he does fight the Avengers. He premieres in the Avengers. He does. Not too long, too. Um, They also mentioned the Bullpen Bolton's Marvel Con 75, which was great. And that they'll be doing the Marvel Con 76 as well. What a surprise. It's an interesting time, though, when, when, I, when a comic book company would do their own convention like that. They also announced that Howard the Duck's getting his own comic. So it's all coming together. Uh, any letters? Everybody hates George Tuska. That's what I took away from the letters page. There's, Poor what, George two, three Tuska. letters in there that complain about his artwork? It's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Martin, Martin Rosenberg of Great Neck, New York, uh, is one of those that complains about Tuska's art. He's and we're told... That, he's the one that tries to say, well, Tuska's art isn't bad. It's the inkers. Yeah. He doesn't have the right inkers with him. Good good try. <laughs> he um, And we're told that this is Tuska's last issue. And next issue, we will see the introduction of artist George Perez, Woo-hoo. which is very exciting. We'll talk about him. Next episode. Anything else? I have nothing else. Who's your MVP? The Beast. Me too. It's cool they're remembering that he's smart, that he's a scientist. Useless character? It's Yellow Jacket. Everything's his fault. I picked the Wasp. She lays in battle issue. Same thing. (laughs) Uh, Avengers level threat? Time is a threat to all of us. Yeah. Uh, Final grade? I gave it a C again. It's just... Eh. I gave it a C plus. I, I think I could have actually done the summary in one paragraph if I'd wanted to. Um, and Tuska's art really is not looking good this issue. No. But next episode, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Woohoo! So we're done. Oh, right. We're you finished. just have to do your thing there where you tell people the stuff. Everybody loves following us and seeing all the cool things that we put online and lavishing praise on us. I hear it all the time as I'm walking down the street. So, you know, if you want to add to that, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Avenging Hour. Or just yell at Jason while he's walking down the street. It happens a lot. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have, uh, what are those things called? Websites. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Avengingour.com. I'm really tired. And uh, you can send us email. Our email address is mail at Avengingour.com. What a coincidence. Though, even though it's mail at Avengingour.com, we do encourage letters from women as well. Email at Avengingour.com. I had no idea where you were going with that. Ha 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 That's funny. We should have just maybe called it person at Avengingour.com. I'm done now. Let's go. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. (laughs)